Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 14, please. Exodus, chapter number 14. We're going to begin reading there in verse number 1, read down through the first 15 verses. Uh, Exodus, chapter 14, and beginning in verse number 1. If you would stand together as we find our place there, as we read our text. And Exodus chapter number 14, the Bible says there, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pehaharoth, between Migdal and the sea over against Balzaphon. Before it ye shall encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are entangled in the land, and the wilderness hath shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, that he should follow after them, and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. And it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people, and they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? And he made ready his chariot, and he took his people with him. And he took six hundred chosen chariots, and all the chariots of Egypt, and captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out in, in high land. But the Egyptians pursued after them, and all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, and his horsemen and his army overtook them, and camping by the sea, beside Pehiharoth, before Balthazephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, thou hast taken us away to die in the wilderness. Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in this wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which will show you today for the Egyptians whom you, will, you have seen today, you will see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking to the children of Israel, that they go forward. I'm going to speak to you this morning on that thought, our theme for this year, go forward. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning again, Lord, bless this passage of Scripture. Lord, speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would... Touch every heart, Lord, I pray that you would give each one of us in our own heart and life what we need for this morning and for this year ahead. And Lord, may you be glorified in it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. <clears throat> the return of Moses to Egypt, uh, you might say, has upset the apple cart a little bit for everybody that's there, whether they be the people of Israel or whether they be the, the Egyptians themselves. Uh, they've been there in Goshen for 430 years. For that period of time, largely God has been silent. There have been no prophets. There is not uh, any written word as of yet. Uh, they know the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They have the remains of Joseph there that they'll carry with them as they go. 
But you stop and you think about the period of time. You know, we read things like that and kind of casually consider 430 years. It's not a great deal of time and time in, in light of all of history. Uh, but stop and think about even we as a nation that have been here uh, not yet 250 years. And we look back as if we have a long history. To go back a little about this period of time, you would go all the way back to the time uh, when, uh, the, when the pilgrims came to Plymouth Rock. You would have to get back into the, uh, the, really the history of the settlement or the discovery of North America, the American continents, uh, to, to put that into context. And so uh, in terms that are a little bit closer to us that, that kind of shed some light on that. For all that amount of time, all they have of God is the stories that have been passed down from one generation to the next. The people that they serve have treated them with increasing harshness. They have been brought into bondage. They are not there freely. They have no ability to leave as they desire. They, uh, they must do the bidding of their masters, the Egyptians. And they have embraced the culture. And that's clear throughout all of the history of Israel. You see the influence of the Egyptian culture and their decisions in their life. They are constantly running back to the false gods as they get into Canaan and the promised land later on in their history. And, uh, and they fight the fights and they're torn between you go through Kings and Chronicles and you, uh, and you see the, the back and forth between the gods of the land. And that all started in, in Egypt, that all that embracing of the culture, the worshiping of the Egyptian gods. And even Pharaoh himself was, uh, was considered to be uh, deity as they, uh, as they go through this, time of their history, they accepted it. They got to a point where they really didn't have any hope of any deliverance. They embraced the culture. They accepted their position as slaves in Egypt, and they submitted to uh, the, the powers that be around them. And as they're settled in, and they're living their lives, and they're raising their children, they're bearing uh, the hardship of just 80 years earlier throwing their children in the river to appease a maddened Pharaoh and Moses shows up and Moses defies everything that they've known the true and living God is introduced anew to Israel the hope of the freedom from the bondage that has enslaved them is offered a new way of life is presented a new country is promised. A covenant is renewed. But it all would come with a price. You see, freedom is never easy. It's never cheap. The price is always high. The struggle is real. Leaps of faith must be taken. Comfort zones must be sacrificed. And new normals must be established and become the order of the day. You stop and you think about what they go through, and it's what we go through in the struggle of life on a daily basis. To go from not knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, to finding salvation, to breaking free from uh, the bondage of our sin and the power that it has over us, though the Lord has given us deliverance, we still have a struggle in life uh, to overcome the sin that so easily besets us, and we all deal with that on a daily basis. 
It may look differently from one life to the next, but it's all sin and we all have it and we all struggle with it every day. And we look at what Moses has done here and what Moses presented. It's amazing that it speaks of uh, of God coming and uh, they've gone through all of the plagues and, uh, and, and Egypt is lying in ruin. Moses is engaged in open warfare with Pharaoh, the most powerful man in all the world and even the man that the people of his own nation accept as a God. And as Egypt has had their waterways destroyed and even today the only way that Egypt has uh, any ability to grow anything is because of the Nile. Their waterways have been contaminated. The fish have died. Their cattle have been destroyed. Their crops have been eaten They're, uh, by locusts. Their, uh, their firstborn has, has died. Everything that they have, all of their ability to sustain themselves, their great power has been banished and been d- destroyed by, uh, by God in the plagues of, uh, as Moses has confronted Pharaoh. And as the last plague settled in on them and their children died, the firstborn were gone. Pharaoh finally agreed to let them go. God said, 430 years you've been in slavery. You're going to essentially take the spoil from Egypt. They took their gold. They took their silver. They took the possessions that they could carry, and they set out into a wilderness toward a sea. They left taking everything that they could take with them. They left with haste after celebrating the first Passover. They left not knowing what to face, not knowing what to expect. They uh, embraced a, a, a new day in which uh, they had no idea what the future would hold. It was constantly on their mind. And as they approached the sea, moving their way toward a promised land through a wilderness, in a relationship with a new God, learning a new way of life, Pharaoh's heart was hardened again. Some would say, why would God harden Pharaoh's heart like this? And, and I've, I've heard it explained a lot of different ways. I think I've never heard it explained any better than when my sons came home from college. And so I heard someone ask them that question. Uh, and the answer that they gave was this. Um, that the same sun that hardens the concrete melts the butter. God hardened Pharaoh's heart in the sense of is that exposure to God only brought to light what was already in Pharaoh's heart. Had Pharaoh had a heart for God, his heart would have been softened, not hardened. And that's the same is true today. You see that in people's lives that come uh, and go, that visit, that serve God for a while and fall away. What's in our heart is, is God has that light. God has that power. God has that influence. What is in my heart? Essentially, God brings us to a point of decision. We'll either accept him uh, if we're searching and if we're soft, or we'll be hardened if we don't want anything to do with him. God looks here and God leads his people and Pharaoh's angered by that and he says they've destroyed our nation and we cannot let them go. What have we done? And they load up the chariots and they get the army together and they set out in pursuit. And they overtake the Israelites as they sit there on the banks of the Red Sea facing certain death in their minds. God displaying his power in a pillar of cloud and fire, holding off the Egyptian army. 
and the people longing to go back, longing to go back to their comfort zone, longing to go back to what they know. Bondage is better than death, they think. As they look out, know what they've been promised, but cannot see with their own eyes a way forward. Moses comes to God and he reassures them that the Lord will fight for you and he shall hold your peace. And then the Lord says to Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Forward into the sea. Forward into a desert. Forward to where? And God tells Moses, but, thou lift, but lift thou up thy rod, in verse 16, and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon his, all his host and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud went from behind, before their face and stood behind them, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it, it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to thee, so that the one uh, came not near the other all the night. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon dry ground, and the waters were a wall uh, unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. And it came to pass, and in the morning, watch, the Lord looked on the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took, their chariot, took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel. For the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may become again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and, ordered, and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the, of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and served and his servant Moses. Picture them on the bank. Pillar of protection. An army of destruction. As Moses holds out the rod, and the wind begins to blow. They have to make a decision. Walls of water, path forward, 
Number one this morning, I'd like you to consider that to go forward, I must overcome fear. I'm going to move forward this morning. If I'm going to embrace what God has for me in this new year, if I'm going to let God allow God to work in my heart, to change my life, to change my habits, to, uh, to develop me for his glory, I must overcome fear. Listen, it's a natural thing that these people experienced fear in this hour, in this day. They did not know God well. He was new to them. Uh, they had seen his great power on display, but they also knew the power that had possessed them for the last four. 430 years and as he <coughs> as he uh, said to them this is where we're going there was great fear amongst them why because to go forward moves me from my comfort zone I cannot move forward without making myself uncomfortable without allowing God to make me uncomfortable without allowing God to challenge me in new ways and to push me forward to where uh, he would have me to go. And if I'm not willing this morning to say, God, I want you in my life. I want you to speak to my heart. I want you to use my life. I want you to change my life. I want you to bless me and to bless my children and, uh, and, to, uh, and to help me to serve you faithfully. If I'm going to do that, I cannot do that sitting on my laurels and just doing what I've always done. I must allow God to challenge my comfort zone. So often, New ideas are presented, and we just want to reject automatically because it, we know it's going to mean change. And the older we get, the less we like it, the more comfortable we like to be. And things get suggested, and things are tried, and uh, ideas are cast about, and our first response uh, naturally is to just say, wait a minute, that's going to make me uncomfortable. We don't say those words, we don't use those words, but we resist any effort of change, any effort of growth, any effort of, uh, of movement. What, Pastor, what if we have this event and all these visitors come and somebody takes my seat? May I remind you this morning that at Victory Baptist Church, six and a half years, years ago as the new pastor, I made a decree that no one has a seat. If a visitor takes your seat, you should be rejoicing and praising God for it. And if you've got to move out of your little nest and move down the line or move up a few pews, praise be to God that someone came uh, and heard the gospel and got encouraged by the word of God. And we come to a place where we have to allow God to say, God, I want to move forward with you. And I realized this morning that I cannot simply just go through the routines and the habit of my daily life the way that it's always been and expect for anything to be any different. God, stir my nest ought to be our prayer. God, lead me and guide me to places that are unknown. And that's the other element here of going forward and overcoming fear. It is a fearful thing to embrace an agenda that we do not know where God will lead us. Going forward, secondly, exposes me to the unknown. It exposes us to the unknown. God intentionally picked them up from where they were and took them to an unknown destination. And when we go to the unknown, two things are going to happen. First, there will be unknown dangers that we must face. And they would get out there and they were not expecting to be chased down by this army. They were not expecting to cross a sea, a seabed on dry land. They were not expecting to find bitter waters that would kill them. They were not expecting to run out of water and to wonder where they were going to gain their food. 
They faced hardship. They faced, uh, they faced problems. And if we were to read on, what you would find is that God even directed their route once they crossed the Red Sea away from the Philistine territory because he was afraid that con combat so quickly would discourage them and make them want to go back. So he led them around a different path. It's a fearful thing to set on a new journey. And there will be unknown dangers. There will be unknown uh, comforts. There will be problems. There will be challenges that arise. There will be things that we'll face, that you'll face in life, that you'll face in your home, that you'll face with your children, that I'll face, uh, that we'll face together as a church. There will be things before us as we move forward for God that will rise up, that must be overcome. There will be challenges that are presented before us, unknown dangers, things that we cannot see, that we cannot predict, that we may not understand, but God is leading. God is there. And there will be those unknown dangers, but may I remind you that there will also, with those dangers, be unknown blessings. There will be people that God will put in your path at crucial moments that will help you, encourage you, lift you. There will be someone that knows what to do to come and attack, attract the power of God uh, to take that bitter water and to turn it sweet. There will be someone that God empowers to draw water from a rock and uh, God will miraculously provide the needs as he did with the manna and the quail. At every turn, everything that they faced, every fear that they had, God was there. And God was leading. God was giving direction. God was giving power. God was working. God uh, was growing them and grooming them and meeting every need that they had. Listen, to go forward, I must overcome fear, but I must not fear if I know that God is with me. Secondly, this morning, consider that to go forward requires faith. In verse number 13, he said, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. We must overcome that fear. And before we move on, just a couple of other thoughts before we move on quickly. Romans chapter 8 or, and verse number 15. The Bible tells us there, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Listen, I need not fear when God is with me. I, I'm part of his family. First Timothy, or Second Timothy, rather, chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Listen, and you set out on a new, a, a new uh, way, a new path, a new set, uh, time of growth in your life, a new challenge in life. If you overcome a hardship in life and all the things that are before us, uh, we'll fear and we'll say, well, maybe this way, this path is easier. Or maybe I should just, uh, I should just, uh, just stay where I'm at or uh, not, not grow beyond where I'm at because I'm comfortable here. May I say that God is with you and you need not fear because God has not given you a spirit of fear. Then secondly, going forward requires faith. Notice in verse number 16 in our text. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. <coughs> Picture yourself there. On one side, a divided sea. On another side, an army that wants to destroy you. Makes the choice seem simple, but how do I know those walls are going to stay there? How do I know that that sea is not going to engulf me? 
What's on the other side? Maybe there's another army over there. You stop and you think about what they had to do, and I would say this morning that they had to have faith to believe. Faith to believe. How do we do anything in life? God has to grow our faith. I have to have faith. Listen, when I got saved, when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I had to have faith to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I had to have faith to believe that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I had to have faith to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ would make a difference in my life. I had to have faith to believe that the people that God put in my life and spiritual leaders along the way could help me and love me and show me the right way and help me to make the right decision. Listen, I've had some people in my life that made hard decisions that my, uh, that my uh, young pastor and my parents listened to and made uh, hard things, hard choices for me. Uh, and I look back as an adult and think, praise God, that they were willing to listen to a young pastor uh, that told them to do hard things with their son. I didn't like it at the time. I resisted it at the time. I was upset about it at the time, but I sure praise God for it now. What I'm saying this morning is that if you're going to cross that sea, if we're going to go forward with God, we must go forward by faith. We must have enough faith to believe that God is, that God will do what he said he will do, that God wants to use my life, that he wants to use your life, that he wants to bless us, that he wants to be engaged with us in life. And not only do I have to have faith to believe, but I've got to have enough faith to actually get up and go. I've got to have faith to move. Hey, there's a difference in sitting back and saying, oh yeah, I believe that. Then there is to get up and participate. Oh, I've got enough faith to do that. When I was in the Marine Corps, and we were training it, uh, and they, they, we didn't get to do a lot of field training as much as a lot of other units because of our presidential security details, but, uh, but they bring the helicopters up, and the big CH-46s up to... Uh, to the landing zones where the president's helicopters landed and uh, and we do training and repelling and then uh, they put you in that helicopter and then and you know really we didn't have much of a choice about it there were a few of the people that had a choice and some of the sailors that were there there were CBs um, they uh, they could participate if they wanted to but they didn't have to and uh, and and you ask them hey do you believe that that helicopter can raise you up in the air yeah I believe it do you believe that that five eighths inch rope that you're going to come out on will hold you and support you safely all the way to the ground and, uh, and yeah, I believe it. Well, here, hook up this harness, put this harness on, get your, and we didn't even have a harness. Really, we took a piece of rope and made a harness out of it. Uh, and they taught us how to do all that. And, uh, and then you get your stretch of rope and you go through all the steps to make your harness and you better hope you're not hold. You're going to be in trouble. Uh, and they say, you got enough faith to do it? Yeah, well, get in the helicopter. And there's one thing to have faith to know when it's another thing to have faith to go. And what we need is to be a people not only that are saying, Lord, I want to serve you. Lord, I want to live for you. Lord, I want to engage in relationship with you. Lord, I want you to use my life. Lord, I want to be a fruit-bearing Christian for your glory. Then I must allow myself to grow in his grace and faith enough to believe that he is and that he can change lives and that he can help me overcome my sin and that he can help me be what he wants me to be. But I also must have enough faith that I actually engage in the process that I'm moving forward not only that I must have faith to persevere 
See, the Israelites here, they had to have faith to get to the side of the sea. But whenever the moment of decision came, they had to have faith to set out across the sea. And when they got out in the wilderness, though it was challenged, their faith was challenged, and they often lamented and wanted to go back. And Moses had to continually keep God before them. Even with the works of of miracles that God did on their behalf, at times they longed to go back because it was easier, it was more comfortable, it was what they knew. Uh, But still, God was there and their faith was increasing and God was meeting their needs and what they found was that they grew in their grace of God till they believed and they went and they walked and they set out on the course and they faced the dangers and ultimately with all of the setbacks they persevered for the glory of God. The Christian life this morning is all about believing that Jesus Christ is. The Christian life is all about engaging in relationship with our God. The Christian life is all about persevering through the trials of life and the tragedies of life and the turmoil of life so that the power of God is displayed in us, so that the grace of God is seen by the world around us, so that the gospel of God becomes palatable to the world that we are here to serve, so that God is glorified when people trust Christ and their lives are transformed by the power of his word. First, this morning, consider that to go forward, I must overcome fear. Secondly, that to go forward requires faith. And then lastly, this morning, that to go forward transforms the future. To go forward, going forward, transforms the future. Notice in verse number 30. And the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. We need to come to a place in our lives where we fear the Lord and we believe the Lord. We need to come to a place in our life where we trust him. Why? Because when we do, it transforms our future. They're no longer slaves They're no longer in bondage. Ultimately, they would reach a promised land. Ultimately, they would find freedom. They would establish worship. They would have God's blessing and power. They would become a great nation. They would give us a Messiah. They would bring to us the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has been honored and glorified through all of their history. Though they've often failed as a people, God has always risen victorious among their midst. May I say this morning that we may fail from time to time. We'll struggle in life. We'll have hardships. We'll suffer tragedy. We'll bear and endure loss. We'll we'll have to uh, have our faith put to the test at times and challenge, but it will grow us. And what we'll find is that uh, when we embrace in this life and we cross that sea and we go forward for God, uh, that our future will be transformed because we will be transformed from bondage to blessing. See, we live in bondage. A person that does not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior lives a slave to sin. As a Christian, many Christians live a slave to sin, but a Christian lives a slave of sin because they choose to, not because they have to. Before Moses, the Israelites didn't have a choice. After Moses and the plagues, they had a choice. They could have chosen to stay. They could choose to go. May you choose to go this morning. May you choose victory in Christ Jesus. May you choose to overcome the things in your life that hinder you, that hurt you, the things that damage us. 
May we overcome our attitudes and our, uh, and our adversities. And uh, may we come our own uh, hardness of heart at times uh, that God might bring us from bondage to blessing. He wants to set us free. He wants to give us empowerment. He wants to bless us. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and that you might have life more abundantly. Hey, listen, live the abundant Christian life. That's what God wants for you. That doesn't mean that you'll have wealth and fame and all of that. It means that you'll walk with God and God will be with you through every turmoil of life. Hey, listen, we'll all go through some hardships in life. That's just part of life. It's part of living on a sin-cursed earth. But we don't have to walk it alone. We have a God who is a good shepherd. We have one that wants to lead us. We have one that wants to fight our battles. We have one that wants to lift up uh, his, himself in our lives and be glorified. Transformed from bondage to blessing. Not only that, but we can be transformed from darkness to light. See, when we were in Egypt, when we were in sin, when we were unsaved, we were in darkness. When Jesus came, he brought the light. And I can receive that light, and now as a Christian, I must choose to walk in the light. Hey, I got the light. Praise the Lord that Jesus shed his light on me. That God uh, came and gave me salvation. But I have to choose every day whether today I'm going to walk in the light or whether I'm going to walk in darkness. It's a choice this morning. Where are you walking today? Are you walking in bondage or in blessing? Are you walking in darkness or in light? Going forward, transforming our future transforms us from stagnation to productivity. Is your Christian life stagnant? Are you a Dead Sea Christian? Have you sit, soaked, and soured? Or have you been busy serving the Lord? Have you been busy growing in His grace? Have you been busy embracing His word? Have you been embracing loving His people? Have you been wallowing in self-pity or have we been rising to the occasion? See, the power of God can bring me from bondage to blessing. The power of God can bring me from darkness to light. And the power of God can take a life that is stagnant and unproductive and doing nothing for eternity and make it productive. I want my life to be productive. I want the ministry of Victory Baptist Church to be productive. I want every Sunday school class, every Sunday school teacher to be productive. I want every member of our church to be productive. I want every guest that comes to be challenged uh, and inspired to have a heart for God and to want to live for Him and to learn more uh, about His Word and to, uh, to experience the freedom from sin that comes in living through grace. Listen, through the long journey to productivity, there will be many hindrances and many problems along the way. But if our faith grows, we can persevere and overcome and bring God glory. Where are you this morning? Is your life sitting on the side of the sea in fear, unwilling, or too afraid to allow your comfort zone to be stirred? Are we lacking in faith to believe? Do we maybe have enough to believe and say, I'm on board with that, Pastor. I'll pray for you as you do it. Or do we have faith enough to engage in the battle? Will we have faith enough to persevere to the end? Will we allow God to bring us from bondage to blessing? Will we allow God to, shed it, to take us from darkness and to lead us in light? Will we allow our lives to be, by the grace of God, taken from a time of, unproduct of unproductiveness and to be productive for the glory of a Savior? Our challenge this year, our challenge in life, our challenge from day to day and moment to moment is to go forward with God. Go forward with Him. Overcome your fear. 
exercise your faith, produce fruit that remains. In order to do that, I've got to do a few things. First, I've got to put the past behind me. Second, I have to expect hardships along the way. It shouldn't... Hey, listen, if I'm, if I'm always living in the past, the Bible tells us, it warns us about being past feeling. If I'm past feeling, if I can't let go of my past failures, if I can't let go of past hurts and past wrongs, if I hang on to those that have, uh, that have attacked me and hurt me and I can't let that go and give it to God and just move forward, then I will never become what God wants me to be. I'll never experience His full blessing and power in my life. I must let go and just give things to God. I must put the past behind me. All of the problems that the Israelites would face is because they kept looking back to Egypt instead of looking forward to what God had for them. Put it behind you. Put sin behind you. Put failure behind you. Put hurt behind you. Put hardship behind you. And by the way, as you move forward, expect new trials. Expect new hardship. Expect new challenges because they will be there. You cannot move forward for God without opposition from Satan. He'll be there. But God is greater. And if my walk with Him is great, then my ability to overcome the obstacles and the hardships of the way will Lead me. Walk with God and overcome. Walk with God. Go forward with God and overcome. Win the victory. Live a life for God. Live a, guy, a life that's empowered. Live a life that's blessed. And you can rejoice when we stand before him and receive a crown. And he says, come home. Thank you for going forward with me.